Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 79 of the Benzo Free Podcast. How are you doing? How are you doing? That's a question I believe I should probably open every episode of the podcast with. How are you? I'm sure there's a lot of different answers right now I'm getting back. Hopefully, maybe some of you will write in and let me know what's going on. Things around here are beyond busy, but that's that's okay. I'm, I'm swimming fast, but I'm still swimming, <laughs> and that's the important thing, right? I sometimes get caught up in, you know, as I'm doing this podcast, and forget how much many of you are suffering, and I, I never want to forget that because that's the essence of this podcast. I know this is hard, and I just want you to know that I'm right here with you. Honestly, I am. I feel... I get it. I've been there. I'm still there to a degree. And damn it all, we're doing everything we can to help change things so that this doesn't happen to people in the future, so that um, those who are suffering can get better help and we can find better treatments and we can find better ways of withdrawing and safer ways and quicker ways. (laughs) But it takes time and there's a lot of work to be done. And I get it. I mean, I know, I know it's easy to think that nothing's being done, that, um, that nobody's working this problem, but that's not true. Just yesterday, I was in a meeting with a program manager catching me up on legislation happening for prescription drug issues here in Colorado. And there's, there's so much of that going on. And benzodiazepines are being added to some of these bills as we speak. But, you know, legislation is only the tip of the iceberg. There's so much else going on, and I'm amazed and grateful to everyone who was working so hard. And I just wanted to bring bring that up so that you know we're not treading water here. A lot of people truly care about what is happening to you, and they're working to make a difference every single day. Oh, well, I could ramble on as I always do, but I, I think I'm going to stop there for the intro today. Things are good here. I'm heading back to Kansas City again in a week um, to do some more work. That situation is fluid, I guess is the word. It goes up and down and there's always problems, but we'll keep working that problem in my family. But um, we're going to keep pushing out the podcast because this is what I do and I got to keep working because this is what I love to do. Today, our format will include our introduction, which you just heard, our Benzo News, Benzo Stories feature, and Moment of Peace. Our feature today is on Benzos, on driving, on limitations of Benzos, but mostly on Benzos and driving. It's an interesting one, so please tune in. I was 
surprised with the information that I collected for this one. So I, I look forward to sharing that with you. And before we move on, don't forget that we'd love to hear from you. Comment on the videos on YouTube, on our podcast posts, or via our feedback form on our website at easinganxiety.com slash feedback. And while you're there, you know, perhaps you might want to subscribe to our mailing list or even donate to support the work we do. Every little bit helps. And remember, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. Okay, let's move on to our Benzo News. Today, I just want to follow up on a couple of events that we spoke about last week. Um, I know there'll be other news that we'll be doing as we have this section in here, but right now there's these events coming up and I just kind of want to put out some reminders. Don't forget that next Tuesday, April 27th, the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup, BOG, which I just talked about, is hosting a virtual screening of the film Medicating Normal. And this will be followed by a post-screen panel discussion and q and I've mentioned this a couple times already on the podcast. The panelists include Alexis Ritvo, MD, Leslie Brooks, MD, John State, Terry Schreiber, and Trina Fotz. And yours truly, me, D, will act as moderator host for this panel. So please join us if you have the time. I think it's going to be a pretty amazing event. And that is April 27th. Visit the website medicatingnormal.com and click on watch the film for more info or visit our website and scroll down to our latest content on the home screen and you will see a blog post for this. Also last week we announced an interview event on Sirius XM in um, association with the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices. And on that interview was Carrie Silvernail and Dr. Stephen Wright. Um, and we were interviewed by Dr. Paul Christo. Well, both of those episodes are now available online. So you can click online and, and listen to them on Dr. Paul Christo's website. You can learn more in our blog, again, on the homepage of our website, just like the one before. Go to our homepage, scroll down to the most recent content. You'll see a blog post for this, and there'll be a link directly to that so you can go listen. Um, that's all I got right now. I'm keeping it short for our Benzo News today because we have a pretty good feature, and I want to allow ourselves time to talk about that. Don't forget to send us any news items you have if you'd like for us to share them on here. I'd love to get your feedback and include them on the podcast. Just do that via our feedback form at easinganxiety.com feedback. Now let's move on to our mailbag. In our mailbag today, we have one question and two comments. The question comes from Tom, and Tom writes, Just listen to your podcast, episode 11, on Benzo Belly. I want to thank you for all the work you put into getting information out there. I'm a week away from 42 months off a cold turkey of Xanax XR. I've had stomach distension throughout and it's getting frustrating. I'm wondering if you ever touched base with a young man from Ireland again. I've spoken to Baylissa a bunch who's repeatedly told me it will get better, but I'm sure you can empathize with the dejected feeling after years. I've had many symptoms get better or disappear, but this one is certainly front and center, and as always, just looking for some hope. Have a great new year, and once again, thanks for all you do with spreading the information of benzo withdrawal. If someone has experienced it themselves or been close to someone who has, they just can't understand the depths. Tom. Oh, thank you, Tom. First off, I'm 
uh, I'm really sorry about your struggles with Benzabelli. This is a tough one. Um, I had it. I know others who have had it even much worse than I had it. And it is, it's nasty. And so many I've spoken with develop that feeling of hopelessness because as with many of the symptoms of benzo withdrawal, it can last a long time. I'm really glad to hear you found some comfort with Baylissa. She is amazing and always, um, always doing great work helping people out in the benzo community. As for the young man from Ireland, I lost touch with him. Um, I was corresponding with him a few years ago on one of the discussion boards when I was writing my book, and he was struggling with severe benzo belly and distension to the point where he looked like he was seven months pregnant. Yes, I, I saw the pictures he sent me. And now this can happen in extreme cases of withdrawal, but the good news is that it is temporary. I, I have yet to hear of any cases where this has been permanent. But still, it's very distressing and I would love to hear how he's doing. In case he's listening to this podcast episode, please reach out. I would love to get an update and see how you're doing. But I'm no longer on that discussion board. When I started my podcast, I moved into a different area working directly with the individuals who are listening. And so I really don't know the status on him. I apologize for that. But hopefully he might write in and we can um, share that further. Anyway, thank you for the question, Tom, and, and for taking the time to write. I... I wish you well, and please keep in touch. Our next comment comes from Mona in Australia. Mona writes, Hi, I just wanted to say that I quit clonazepam 2 milligrams last week, and I am experiencing very tense muscular complexities. I, I googled my symptoms and ended up listening to one of your podcast episodes, which was very helpful. Just wanted to say hey and thank you for helping me. Regards, Mona. Well, I, I just want to say thank you to Mona. Um, <laughs> I, trust me, the, these emails mean the world to me, and I'm so, so glad you reached out. I, I've never been down under in Australia, but I would love to someday. We have some dear friends in Adelaide and really want to visit them sometime. And, and congratulations on quitting clonazepam. Uh, it's a tough one, and I hope you are healing well and that your symptoms ease soon. Please. Keep writing and keep us in touch. I'd like to hear how you're doing. And thank you so much for your email. And the final one we have today is a comment from Leonor. And she writes, Hi. Now I know you're waiting, but that was it. <laughs> she just said hi. She filled out the feedback form on our website and just said hi. And I loved it. I just loved that. It gave me a laugh. It made me feel good because I recall on the podcast occasionally, I would say, you know, sometimes just reach out and just say hi. And she actually did that. So to Leonore, thank you for literally stopping by and saying hi. And I just want to say hi back. And I'm so glad that you took the time to say hi. And that closes out our mailbag for today. Let's move on to our Benzo story. This one is an update story from Monty in Canada. Now, I have to tell you, Monty is not his real name since he preferred to remain anonymous. But for now, we'll call him Monty. I just pulled that out of thin air. It sounded like a name to assign. I have no reasoning for this. It's just random. But, but here's the email and here's the um, update from Monty. Hi, D. <clears throat> oh, that was good. Let me try that again. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, 
just took a drink of water and my voice breaks when I do that. Heidi, I was sitting here with a lot of time on my hands and I thought I would get in touch. A lot has happened in the past year for me. I settled with my insurance company last summer with a decent lawyer and was paid out enough to keep focusing on my recovery. This was a real lifesaver as finances were getting really scary. The things that could get better have gotten better, and the things that will likely never get better, I'm learning to live with as a new part of my living experience. But what can you do? Spend your whole life waiting for a full recovery, or find a way to manage and move ahead with the shorter time we all have left? I am doing the latter. I really doubled down on my meditation, exercise, healthy living approach, and it has really paid off. My nervous system still tenses up anytime I am dealing with high sensory input, but I have learned it is mainly a physical response, and I just have to manage it. Of course, the nervous system is hardwired to the brain and affects emotions and brain function, so it is a skill that needs constant work. There just isn't enough GABA being received anymore, so when the excitatory responses kick in, it is hard to calm things down. But I do, and it is manageable. I realize that I am much better off than most quote-unquote normal people I know. The really good news is that a few months ago, I was contacted by a previous employer, went through a round of interviews, and ended up with a fantastic job opportunity. It's a 9-3 rotation job in the offshore oil industry. This means that I will be working nine weeks in Brazil and then home for three weeks, although everything is extended now with all the quarantine requirements. I am just off my first rotation, which actually started with some training in the States. And now I am in a 15-day quarantine before I head to Brazil. So I have time on my hands. This is the dawn of a new chapter in my life. It will not be easy, and I have no idea how I will cope with everything. But life goes on regardless, and I will find a way, and I will enjoy it. I haven't been listening to your podcasts for the past year, but when I needed them, when things were looking a lot less bright, I really appreciated them. I have friends that are still facing the reality of benzodependence and will hopefully one day withdraw. I, I refer them to your podcast and website. It is an essential resource. It is a very difficult thing to do, and most people will find any reason they can to avoid it. But it is something that must be done if you have concern for your future self. Whoever has gone through this has done something the majority of people do not have the strength and courage to do, and should be proud of themselves, whatever their current situation. I hope you are well and your situation is also improving. All the best to your family. Monty. Oh, thank you, Monty. I love stories like this, positive success story. I mean, I love all stories that you all share, trust me, equally. But it's nice to have some positive success ones to throw in there so we can help people find the hope as they as they go through this process. Monty shared some really good things in this. Um, he mentioned he settled with his insurance company last summer. He's been trying to get some um, 
payment out of the insurance company to help him so he has time to recover, and I'm really glad that worked out for him. He mentioned about spending your whole life waiting for a full recovery, and to me that comes right back to acceptance. I think a lot of what he said in this was acceptance, and that is of accepting your condition as it is, to stop fighting against it so much, and to learn to find ways to live with it. And I am so happy that Monty found a way to do this, to move on, to keep going, and to get back out in the world with the new job and the new excitement he has in his life, and to find ways to live even though he still has symptoms. Uh, it's, just, it's just nice to hear this kind of story and people who have found their way through, and this is such a common theme. So I just want to say to Monty, thank you so much for writing and for sharing your story. I still have some more stories to share, but of course, I always love to hear your stories. So please uh, let us know, especially update stories, but even the new stories just starting out, even just finding out that you're benzo dependence and freaking out, write to me, let me know, and we would love to share them on the podcast. Just send, a, send us any story into at easing, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, this is me. <laughs> Screwing up, I've only done like three breaks, and when I say breaks on this is when it means I'm going to back up and re-record it. Um, but I'm trying not to do those too much with the new format of the podcast and just leave in when I mess up. So this is one of those times, backing up a little bit. <laughs> Don't forget, we still need stories. Um, so just visit our feedback form at easinganxiety.com feedback. If you'd like to share, we would love to hear from you. And that wraps up our Benzo stories. Let's move on to our feature. Today the topic's on driving and Benzos. And this was one that might be a little controversial, maybe a little negative to hear, I don't know. But it's one I believe we need to know and be aware of, and that's why I want to cover it. It's not directly related to withdrawal, but it is definitely related to Benzo use. I came across this article this past week, and thought it might be of interest. Enough so that I wanted to make this a feature. And here's what triggered our feature today. According to an article this week in Mercury News, a woman pleaded no contest to felony vehicular manslaughter for fatally striking a 66-year-old pedestrian. At the time of the crash, she denied being on her cell phone, but she said she might have been taking her jacket off at the time. But According to documents filed to the court, the driver was under the influence of a benzodiazepine at the time of the accident. Now, most of you might be thinking, well, yeah, people drive on benzos all the time, and you'd be right. Benzodiazepines are prescribed at about 66 million doctor's appointments in the U.S. each year, according to the U.S. National Center on Health Statistics. That means that every 100 adults that visit an office-based doctor in the course of a year, 27 of those will result in a prescription for a benzodiazepine. Now, I could do a whole episode just on that statistic, and we may down the line, but that's not the focus for today. My point is that a lot of people take benzodiazepines every day, and many of them drive. That being said, what got my attention was the following sentence in this article in the Mercury News. And it said, Those taking benzodiazepines are advised 
not to drive while on it, as it can cause weakness and dizziness and impair driving. Hmm. Where to go with this from there? Where to go? Hmm. I, I can tell you this. I was on clonazepam for 12 years, and I think once or twice I may have driven a vehicle during that time. And it makes me wonder, was I breaking the law? Was I a danger to myself or to others? Millions of people take benzodiazepines every single day, and many of them drive. What about them? So I figured I need to look into this because I wanted some answers and I thought you might too. This is by far not the first time I heard about um, benzos in driving. In fact, I shared the following story in my book, Benzo Free. And it was, um, actually, let me just read this excerpt from my book. This is what it said. In May of 2017, Tiger Woods was found asleep behind the wheel of his car by the police in Jupiter, Florida. A police department video shows him slurring his speech while being interviewed. He was arrested under suspicion of driving under the influence, but his alcohol test came back negative. During the interview, Woods told the police officer that he had taken Xanax earlier that day. He was also on Vicodin, a prescription opioid, following back surgery in April of that same year. That drug combination can cause severe sedation and lack of coordination. In fact, two weeks earlier, Woods was filmed almost comatose in an embarrassing roadside video. Well, I shared that in my book um, back in 2018, and as we know now, that unfortunately was not the end of Woods' accidents while driving. So, when I read that first article, I decided we needed to look into this further. So, let's do that. According to a 2002 study in neuropsychopharmacology, the effects of alprazolam, Xanax, on driving was evaluated in a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled crossover study. 20 participants were evaluated to establish their driving ability after taking one milligram of alprazolam. You want to know the results? Relative to placebo, alprazolam caused serious driving impairment. The subjects exhibited significantly impaired driving quality, decreased alertness, decreased mental activation, and increased mental effort during driving. In the abstract section of the study, the author stated, Alprazolam significantly impaired performance on the laboratory tests. In conclusion, Alprazolam users must be warned not to drive an automobile or operate potentially dangerous machinery. Okay, now that was a small study, I will admit, with only 20 people, but the results do not look promising. So let's look again at a few other random studies and see if there is commonality. A 2010 systematic literature review of epidemiology... Let's do that again. A 2010 systematic literature review of epidemiological studies... I got it on the link between benzodiazepine use and traffic accidents stated, evidence is growing that exposure to benzodiazepines is related to increased accident risk. The literature indicates that the greatest accident risk 
is associated with the use of long half-life benzodiazepines, increasing dosage, and the first few weeks of use of benzodiazepines. Okay, so that one um, seems to be in the same direction as the first one. Let's try another one. A 2011 systematic review and meta-analysis of epidemiological, I got it that time, and experimental evidence stated in their conclusion, benzodiazepine use was associated with a significant increase in the risk of traffic accidents and responsibility of drivers for accidents. The association was more pronounced in the younger drivers. The accident risk was markedly increased by co-ingestion of alcohol. Okay, so um, there's three for three so far that are stating that. But let's look at one more and see what this one says. Let's, go, let's back up a ways. A 1998 UK study titled Association of Road Traffic Accidents with Benzodiazepine Use examined 19,386 drivers who were involved in road accidents between August 1992 and June 1995 and compared those records to dispensing records of prescriptions. In the interpretation section, the authors wrote, users of anxiolytic benzodiazepines and zopaclone were at increased risk of experiencing a road traffic accident. Users of anxiolytic benzodiazepines and zopaclone should be advised not to drive. Okay, that's four for four. We're not doing good here, are we? In, in case you're curious, Zopaclone is a non-benzodiazepine or Z drug, which, as many of you know, has similar effects to benzodiazepines. But it's that last statement that stands out. Much like our opening article, that states people using benzos should be advised not to drive. In fact, the National Institutes of Health state Benzodiazepines are central nervous system depressant drugs often detected in biological samples from driving under the influence DUI offenders. They are associated with marked psychomotor impairment. So, <laughs> where next? <laughs> where does that leave us? I mean, millions and many of you take benzodiazepines every day benzodiazepines. I can say that word. I've said it a few times before. And drive. Are they breaking the law? And are they putting people in danger? Unfortunately, according to these studies, yeah, maybe they are. You know, let's take a look at the law. Let's move on because this is information I think we need to know as users or former users of benzodiazepines. Now, much like most things I talk about, I need to make it clear that I am not a lawyer, and none of this should ever be considered legal advice, just like none of it should ever be considered medical advice. I just want to make that clear. In general, in the U.S., and some states may vary, it is illegal to drive while impaired by benzodiazepines. It is considered a DUI, driving under the influence, much like driving while under the influence of alcohol, and often with the same penalties. Some states have now reported that benzodiazepines are second only to alcohol, surpassing cannabis as the cause of DUI arrests. Now, according to most of the studies, long half-life benzodiazepines had a more negative effect on driving ability 
than short half-life benzos. Diazepam or Valium is a perfect example of a long half-life benzo. That is one of the reasons it is so widely recommended for substitution during taper. Chlordiazepoxide or Librium is another long half-life benzo. And these seem to have a more pronounced effect on people's driving ability. Now on the other side of the spectrum, we have short half-life benzos, such as midazolam or Versed, which is why it's so often used in surgical procedures, or triazolam or halcyam, which is rarely prescribed anymore and is even banned in Britain. And, and, and the rest of the benzodiazepines often lie somewhere in between, like Xanax, Clonopan, Ativan, and others. Thus, most of the commonly prescribed benzodiazepines by physicians have an intermediate or long half-life. Other factors that seem to increase accident rates include the first few weeks of usage, recently increasing dosage, and it appeared that younger drivers seem to be more affected than older ones. You know, in my research, I came across an article on the website drugabuse.com, which is from the American Addiction Centers. Now, I know that this is talking more about street use or addiction here on their site, but these points, I think, are still relevant for benzodiazepines. And the article was titled, Five Reasons Driving on Benzos is Just a Bad Idea. And, and really quick, I just want to run through these five. Number one, they mentioned, benzodiazepines produce sedation. They are excellent sleeping pills and can make you sleepy. Number two, benzodiazepines relax your muscles. When you are driving, relaxed muscles don't help and can decrease your reaction time. Number three, benzodiazepines can cause vertigo. I had spells of vertigo when I was taking benzos. Thankfully, never while I was driving, but this would not be a good mix. Four, benzodiazepines can blur your vision, and blurred vision is also not a friend to safe driving. And five, Benzodiazepines can impair your thinking. Much like vision, a fuzzy mind is not helpful when you're doing 70 miles an hour down the highway. Anyway, I finally had to stop doing research because it was getting really late and the podcast was getting really long. This whole short format, I might not be following as much as I'd like to. But in the end, here are my thoughts. I cannot tell you what to do. I also cannot tell you driving under the influence of benzos is safe. But I wanted you to be cautioned, both for your own safety and for that of others on the road. Please be careful. Just because a drug is prescribed by a physician does not mean it is safe to do everything you used to do. Labeling on benzodiazepines does warn that driving or operating machinery or performing other hazardous tasks can be dangerous while using these drugs. It is there on the label. And of course, drinking alcohol in combination heightens this effect. It is illegal to drive while impaired by benzodiazepines. But what does that mean? Can we be impaired without even knowing it? Yes, that is possible. Please follow up with your physician, legal counsel, the police, whoever you want to to get more research it, find out more information if you are concerned. I did not share this trying to <laughs> depress us or anything like that. It's just information that I believe people who take benzodiazepines should be aware of. And so I thought this would be the place to share it. 
please write to me any questions you have or comments. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to share them on the podcast, um, your opinions on this. I think it's a topic we can discuss more. And in case you'd like more information on this topic, all the articles that I referenced in this feature are available in our show notes. And that will close out our feature. Please allow me about 25 seconds for our disclaimer, and then we will move right into our moment of peace. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can relax and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slow. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally. And listen to the sounds of nature in the background, allowing your entire body to relax as you breathe in slowly. If your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your breath. Continue to do this for one minute.
Our next scheduled episode is episode 80, and it will be released on Friday, April 30. Thank you again for joining me today, and please, let us know how we did. Keep calm, take slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.